Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. Thank you for listening. We would like to remind you that this podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. Please consider supporting the show. Check us out on Patreon or simply leave a review on iTunes. Here is your host and creator of the show, Known Wells. Greetings, feely humans. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells. How are you? Thanks for being here. I love you guys. Uh, today's episode is episode 74, talking about how to validate the experiences of others. This is a really important episode, if I, if I may call it that. I, I do think this is a really uh, deeply human episode. Tony and I, uh, Tony the therapist and I talk a lot about just how, how, we, how we can sort of embrace validation in our relationships and experiences and, and potentially some ways that we're invalidating people. We may not even know it. We, we, we may think that we're trying to help, but sometimes when we try to help, uh, it can be invalidating. So we talk about some of the nuances of that. Really appreciated Tony's uh, insight on this episode. This episode's also a very personal one. I read some writing I did about a, uh, an experience I had uh, where I was invalidated. I felt like I was deeply invalidated. And, and, and wrote uh, a letter and read that as well. Um, so please let me know what you think. I'd I love to hear uh, what you think about this episode. It was very personal, and I, I'm, I'm grateful to put it out there because I think this is something that is very human. You know, I think we all struggle with validating and invalidating, and uh, I'm glad to put it out there. And I'm, I'm grateful for Tony to be a part of it and for you to listen. Before we get to episode 74, I want to read a couple of new iTunes reviews that came in. Uh, this first one is from Cindy from Indy. I think I know who this is. Hello, Cindy. I'll call you Cindy. Uh, Cindy says, quote, honest and inspiring. I like Known's honesty. The people he has on have been through so much that it is inspiring to hear them share their experiences. This is an important topic for all to listen to. Thank you, Cindy. I, I really appreciate that. And I, I do, I love the honesty too, that, that, and I love the, the bravery and courage of my guests. It's really inspiring to me uh, each week as well. Uh, this other uh, review is from Darganfly8800. Uh, Darganfly says, uh, a powerful podcast. As far as humans go, Known is one of the really good ones. His podcast is an excellent example of how to better communicate with honesty, empathy, and even vulnerability while embracing the beautiful flaws and stories that make us each unique. I appreciate that his passion is to help this world become more connected. Thank you so much. That is very nice. And I, I, it's true. Like I want the world to be more connected. I want to validate our experiences because we're all so unique and we all have such unique takes on the world and, and we all have unique and real experiences that makes us who we are. And that, that is a beautiful thing. That is a beautiful thing. And, and, and if we can, if we can embrace that, if we can embrace that difference, if we can see the differences and accept them and see them and hear them and listen, what a, what a beautiful path forward of, of learning, of growing, of connecting, 
Uh, and, and that's, that's what I want in the world. And that's what I'm trying to achieve every single day, even though I struggle sometimes. So thank you for those reviews on iTunes. If you want to read, uh, or if you want to, uh, write a review for you, Meopathy, that would be fantastic. And I would read it here on the show. And I'd be so grateful for you if you did that. Five stars is my favorite number, five stars. Uh, thank you for doing that. And thank you for listening and being here and being a feely human. We're in this together, right? Radio. Okay, this is episode 74, How to Validate the Experience of Others with Tony the Therapist. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a podcast about exploring the struggles we face in our day-to-day lives as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic, and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, Break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am excited to sit down again with my friend and psychotherapist, Tony Remeinke. Hello, Tony. Hello, Noam. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. You doing all right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here. So today on the show, uh, Feely Humans, we are going to be talking about a personal experience I had uh, within the last month or so, something that 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 was really impactful and upsetting, and uh, I, I want to bring it to your attention to not uh, shame or not, uh, you know, do anything of that sort. It really is uh, about... Uh, showing people how uh, we can validate and invalidate each other. I want this this episode to be about how we can better hold space for each other in our lives and give people the dignity of their own experiences. So that's what this episode is going to be about based on this personal experience I had. Before we get to that, though, Tony has a very important message for you. I do. I have my my spiel when I when I'm on. So, um, well, hey, listeners. So so good to be back here at Yumi Empathy and um, and what you've heard me say before. I, you get to hear once again. So, my name is Anthony Romiki, but I go by Tony. But um, my licensing board here in the state of California knows me as Anthony, and that is the Board of Behavioral Sciences. So, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, license number four seven eight zero five. And I have a private practice in Newport Beach, California. And uh, as I, I usually tag onto this, I have the coolest job in the world. And uh, I love doing what I do. And I love working with people and helping people grow in their relationships. And uh, and that's been such a wonderful experience for me to 
to be a uh, semi-regular contributor to Yumi Empathy and uh, and hopefully, um, yeah, you know, help known in his wonderful endeavor My here, feely your, your endeavor. feely endeavor. And, yeah. and just, and, you know, you were talking about giving space to people's experience. And really, I think that's what this podcast has become is, you know, yeah. an opportunity for space. Yeah. And for people to share their experience. And, and I think it's important, and, and you've already alluded to this, that, you know, what people share on this, on this platform is, is their subjective experience. I and mean, we're not looking for objectivity, right? We're not looking for, there's an objective truth. What we're looking for is, is hearing people's stories, right? And, yeah. and that it's their story and giving them a space. And, and again, Yumi Empathy is providing that space for people to share their story and stories continue to unfold, right? And and there's new developments in stories and there's new understandings and there's new insights. So I, you know, we're going to obviously get to that all yeah. today, but. No, I appreciate that. Uh, that's a good introduction into. So listeners, I'm going to be reading a um, sort of a play by play of sorts of, of an experience I had. Um, you know, I'm a writer, so, you know, there's some, uh, it's all accurate. It's, it's sort of accurate into how I experienced this, this, this moment. And it it is important to know also that my friends, Justin and David were also witness to this experience. And uh, it was so sort of eye opening that I, the next day I needed to kind of talk with David and Justin about like, did this really happen in this way? And they they were very validating and 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 sort of confirmed what I was sort of afraid of, uh, but it did help. I think it allowed me to sort of open up in this experience, and you'll see about you'll see why in a moment. So yeah, go ahead. So I was going to add yeah. that because um, I, I don't know if you did give context to this. So so you're going to be talking about a experience that you had between you and your mother. That's correct. Um, that happened. Well, six weeks ago, approximately. Yeah, about there. About there. Yeah, and and again, this idea that this this in no way at all is is a bash session to anybody. Um, I, I think again, I think you know, as you were sharing this with me before we we started recording today, is is that again, it's this is an opportunity to be able to talk about your experience, right? I mean, you, you're talking about this was my experience, and and this is you know the emotional impact that it had on me this is how it felt this is what i heard yes and so so again just clarifying you know that this again is your space today to talk about your experience this is how i experienced it this isn't we're not casting stones we're not bashing we're not so yes thank okay. you that's no, good um good point uh okay here we go so i'm going to read this piece of writing that uh i wrote <clears throat> I don't believe you. Prove it. I looked at her, confused and scared by what she was asking me. I didn't know what to say, so I peered up at my friends David and Justin, who were seated across from me. Their faces mirrored my own perplexed stare, in awe of what was transpiring before them. David spoke first, quote, I don't think you're hearing what he's saying, David said, pointing to me. He's not going to show you his scars. But I did. Five minutes later, I showed my mother the spot on my arm, three slices across the left bicep. I used to cut on repeat to temporarily swap physical pain for emotional pain. 
That night, I was bullied into showing my mother my cutting scars. I showed her in defeat, truly gutted by what had proceeded. Okay, here, I said. I lifted the sleeve of my shirt to reveal my three little scars, my three little once comforts. She she leaned in to get a closer look, put her fingers across the scar bumps on my skin and uttered, I don't see anything. 20 minutes earlier, standing in the kitchen of my mother's house, I was explaining a part of my life philosophy to my friends, my mother and my mother's husband, Gary. My philosophy is grounded in kindness, empathy and compassion but also a little bit of accepting life for how I interpret it, a bit of chaos. So I said, in essence, that I don't feel like I have much control over anything in life, but myself and how I act and what I bring to people and experiences. It's at this point when Gary, apparently seething in the corner, started stumbling my way, uttering, what about your morality code? What about your morality code? I was taken aback. There was a righteous indignation and anger in Gary's voice, a targeted intensity. I didn't feel like I was talking about morality, but just one way in which I operate in the world. But it was clear to me that none of us were going to escape this lesson on on morality, made even clearer when my mother asked Justin, David, and I, why don't I just kill you three? I took a moment to think on those those words. Why didn't she just kill me and my friends? And how the heck did I find myself here? I didn't want to argue about morality with my mother and her husband, nor did I think argument would lead to any shift in perspective. But David and Justin, saints that they are, took on the case of the missing morality. Over the next 15 minutes, David and Justin eloquently and respectfully shared their perspectives on morality, which I mirror in my own heart, which is that morality comes from generations of humans, from experiences, from our parents, from living life. Honestly, they couldn't have said it better, and I was so grateful for their input. I sat and listened, and Gary chimed in on occasion with, you'll understand when you're older, and you don't see it yet, but you will. Again, my mother repeated, so why don't I just kill you three? And and moments before, when Justin asked her what she wants in life, she responded with, quote, peace. Putting aside the incongruity of these desires, Justin graciously explained that murder isn't a good strategy, that murder doesn't lead to peace, that murder isn't in alignment with our evolutionary need for human propagation and connection. From my mother's perspective, morality comes from God and God alone. And if you don't get your morality from God, then you are devoid of morality. You have no morals and you might as well just murder. I stood up from the chair at this point and said, look, mom, this is what I believe. I believe in kindness empathy, and compassion. I believe in leading with my heart. I respect your belief, and I don't disparage it. I find that faith can be a beautiful act for people, and I have many friends who believe in a higher power, from the Christian faith to the Muslim faith to the Jewish faith. I don't have any ill will toward anyone who has a belief in a higher power. For me, I just don't believe in a higher power. I want to live by making an impact on the world, embrace empathy, and meeting people where they are and connecting with other humans while I'm here so we can grow and learn from each other. I spoke from my heart, and I was shaking with an excitement and anxiety for standing up for what I believe in. Then my mother exclaimed, You are nothing but negative. Everything about you is negativity. Mom, I said, what are you talking about? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I am not a negative person. I believe in leading with my heart. I am thoughtful and kind and compassionate. 
I make a podcast about empathy and compassion toward others. It's about healing suffering, I said. I can't even listen to it, she said. It's too negative. Mom, it's about empathy and kindness and meeting people where they are, something I believe deeply in. There's nothing negative about it. Firmly, she stood. You are negative. That's what you are. You're always talking about your diseases. Mom, I have clinical depression. I am in recovery from anorexia. I have anxiety. But she, does, she didn't see me. She doesn't know me. She doesn't accept me for who I am. For the first time in my life, I am pursuing something that matters to me deeply. I am changing lives. I am leading with my heart. I am actually addressing the depression and anxiety I live with growing up. I started to cry. You were always so happy growing up, she said. Now you're just negative. The tears had nowhere to go but down. Mother, can't you see that I was a depressive kid? I had undiagnosed depression. I had suicidal thoughts. I almost starved myself to death. I struggled. You think you had such a terrible childhood, like it was all terrible, she responded. No, I don't. Aspects of my childhood were great and happy. There were bright spots, but I also struggled greatly. I was depressed and angry, and I hid it because I was terrified of my father. He hurt me. I cut myself. You didn't cut yourself, my mother said. I don't believe it. Prove it. Prove it, I heard my mother say. Prove to her that you cut yourself. Prove to her you were in pain. Prove to her that you were a depressed kid. Prove to her that I was anything but the image of me she wanted to see. I pulled up my sleeve and showed her my scars. I don't see anything. I ran to my, my room and cried uncontrollably. I called Jessica, the person who sees me and accepts me for who I am. I didn't sleep this that night, so I wrote this. I am deeply saddened and dismayed by all of this. The one parent who I have truly loved doesn't see me. To her, I'm a negative person. To her, I am without morality, one step away from murdering random strangers. To her, my mental health is just a collection of diseases. To her, my childhood emotional reality isn't real or my responsibility to explore or learn from. I am me and that's all I can be. I'm sharing this experience because I think it represents a larger cultural and social obstacle we face as feely humans, as mental health advocates, as emotional wayfinders, as people who want to learn from our emotional experiences, grow with each other, not in spite of each other. And that obstacle is invalidation. So that was the experience, uh, Tony. That was the experience I had. And I, I have a bunch more thoughts on validation and invalidation. Uh, but I do want to read um, the letter I, I wrote in response. My, so sort of for the listeners, um, that was a deeply sort of <laughs> upsetting experience, uh, to say the least. And um, it was the first time in a while that I cried that uncontrollably. Uh, and I didn't really sleep that night, which was hard because the next day I had to run a 25K trail run. Mm. <laughs> but um, I, 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 uh, it was upsetting. And so um, I wrote that. And then uh, about uh, a week, uh, about two weeks later, my mom uh, sent me a letter in the mail, which I won't read here uh, because it's, it's sort of encapsulated in the letter I wrote back to her. And I haven't received any, anything from her since. But before I do that, did, um, did you have any reactions to what you just heard? Well, I mean, a few. Um, you know, first I really wanted to check in with you and just see what that felt like again to read. And so just to check in. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. It, um, 
it's hard to read. Uh, and the letter may be even harder, but you know, I, I love my mom. I, I, and, um, I do, <laughs> I do have a hard time coming to terms with this idea that, you know, you know me, Tony, like, right. um, I firmly, like the work that I've been doing in therapy and just my own inner work and, and the work that I've been doing on the podcast and growing from the podcast, like, I feel like, I feel like me, like, mm -hmm. I feel like it's me and this is like who I should be and want to be. And it's so, it's been so rewarding and connecting and healing. And I've, I've, I've made friendships and I'm, I'm working on a, sort of a business idea and I've got like, like it's so exciting to me, like yeah. exploring this world and allowing myself to look inward and learn from my emotions and, and try to make sense of them and to do that to grow and to connect and to heal. Yeah. Like that is, I think, a beautiful thing that I believe we all should be doing. Right. And to hear from someone like my mother saying that that is just negativity. Mm -hmm. Like it's hard for me to wrap my head around that. I think if I were to, you know, analyze it a little further and add nuance, like maybe she doesn't, maybe that's just a reaction to like sort of her experience. And she doesn't really believe that that is a negative pursuit, but that's just kind of in the moment emotionally what she called it. Right. right. You know, I'm of course open to any nuance and, and interpretation of the of the experience, but in the moment, yeah, it was it was brutal. And and um, you know, saying this sort of in retrospect, looking back on it, and then having the knowledge of her letter to me, which uh, I think was an attempt at an apology, but I feel, but it was more so like her asking me, "Why don't I accept her?" Mm -hmm. Which I feel. Um, is not what reflected was reflective of the experience at all. Yeah. Like there was no point in the, in the conversation that night where I didn't accept her. It was, it was, it was really the opposite of that. Right. And so, um, all of this is new. And I, I, <laughs> I've been talking about my, with my therapist yeah. about all of this. And I told her, you know, I would be doing this today and she's in support of it and feels it's good for me. And, you know, um, but yeah, it's been, it's been hard. It's yeah. been for sure hard. Well, yeah. I mean, cause some of the thoughts that I had hearing you and we've obviously processed this, you know, outside of this format, um, since it, ex you know, happened. Right. And, and we've been processing and talking about it and it's, yeah, I mean, it's interesting for, you know, for the fact, and again, I, you know, not to speak necessarily to this exact scenario because, uh, I can't, I mean, you know, again, your mom's not here you guys aren't my clients, you know, this, it's not the, the capacity. I don't have the capacity or forum for that. Move it. Yeah. Straighter. Am I, yeah okay. Move it straighter. Audio problems here. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, since, you know, but you know, to, to kind of talk about it in generalities, so to speak, you know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like going back to kind of how we introduce this, which is, you know, you have a story here. She has a story here. Yeah. So you both have your, you know, subjective experiences of, of what took place. And I think obviously what you're talking about today is your side of the experience. You're talking about what the impact of, of it was to you and, you know, what it triggered, what it brought up, the emotions connected, thoughts connected. 
And, you know, and again, choosing this, you know, you've been able to process it in therapy. This is a format where you're able to again, talk about it. And, and I hope, and I'm assuming do what you do something different today than you used to do, which was bury something like this, right? You know, 100% bury it, you know, in a dark place, you know, and the happy boy that my mother was referring to uh, would have had a closet like, full of a closet full right. of like darkness that I didn't understand and, and, and not knowing that and not right. exploring that, uh, I feel almost killed me. Yeah. Right. You know, and so in a sense it's, it's, you know, it, it's dragging all of that out of the closet. Right. And saying, here it is. Yeah. How, you know, and, and I, you know, and again, I, I get in my clinical work, I see this happen quite a bit as somebody starts to become empowered and they start to feel less shame about who they are and they start to bring themselves out into the world, out into the light, out into relationships. And they start, I think, being able to tolerate bringing themselves out to people and, and sharing. And I think that's where, you know, therapy is usually a place that starts, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it starts in that very safe therapeutic relationship, hopefully, hopefully it's a safe therapeutic relationship where, you know, a lot of that becomes our feelings can be validated. A lot of our shame can be worked through and reduced and we can start to look at ourselves more accurately and with more compassion and understanding and insight. And then we start testing that to the people around us, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, we've, we feel um, that we can start taking those risks, right? We can start being more vulnerable with the people around us. And sometimes family of origin is one of the most difficult places to bring out um, maybe what wasn't known prior. Right. And, and, and I think it's, it's a difficult process in, in, in a family system, particularly because it may really upset and challenge the perceptions of, of the system. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and so furthering processing of, of, you know, and I mean, family therapy is such a wonderful format for this exact type of dynamic, right. You know, what was your experience what was your experience? What right. was your experience? Right. And 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 then communication being the tool to say, how are we going to set up safe and effective parameters to talk about something that carries so much emotional, you know, uh, weight, uh, psychological weight, emotional weight, and talk about it in the safest of environments, you know, uh, and, and in such a way in which we may disagree or we may not see things the same way. But I can hold your story. And that, uh, you know, I can that, hold your experience. That's, that's all I really want in the world. I mean, I think this particular experience, I think, had uh, some more nuance that I'll get into later in terms of, like, what to do and what not to do in terms of validating people. But what I want in this world is to for all of us to hold space for each other. Yeah. Because... We've said it on the show many times, you and I in particular, there's not a one size fits all. No. There's not one singular truth. No. There are so many truths. So many truths. And and uh, I think it's it's narrow and 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 damaging to think that there's just one way to go about things. Right. And to think about things. Or that there's one story, right? There's one story. That there that right? you know, that multiple people, whether it's two or ten, would somehow share the same experience. Right. And the beautiful thing about that perspective is it allows each of us to 
again, I always go back to this, but learn from each other and right. like allow us to reduce our ego and allow us to be humbled and allow us to like, oh, allow us to empathize Absolutely. and allow us to like really see people and, and really um, acknowledge that they experienced a trauma or acknowledge that they experienced this one truth that, that, you know, that impacted them in this way emotionally, right. you know? And I, I think that is so important for so important. just going about being a feely human in the world. Well, and you know, you me empathy, right? I mean, yeah. empathy. I mean, I mean, I, you know, we're, we're coming right back to that, which is foundationally, you know, our platform and, and bringing it back to, yeah. I mean, empathy again, it, by definition is understanding another person's experience. Right. Right. And stepping outside of your own and, you know, and I, I think in human nature in general, it's a difficult thing to do, you know, and sure. I think as humans, as individuals, I think we all have varying degrees of, of capacity sure. for empathy. And it but takes work. It takes work. And I'm not perfect. No one is. I I struggle at it and sometimes I excel at it, but it, it takes active work. It takes very active work. It takes a lot of intentionality Mm -hmm. and I think it takes a level of discipline um, and focus to, you know, pull ourselves out sometimes of our natural organic defenses or, or, you know, how we may want to, to, you know, discount another person's experience and remain open-minded, you know, even if it's so far from our own, you know, and, and I think if we want to even talk about the political culture and climate and, you know, I mean, you know, and and there are so many polarizing things happening, not just now. I know we always talk about what's happening now is, but, uh, but fair to say there's a lot of, of, you know, various type of cultural, you know, things that are ex- people are experiencing that people have very different polarizing, you know, f- feelings and thoughts on. Yeah. And um, it would be so easy to shut down uh, the other person's experience because, you know, we, we just want to hold so true to our own. And again, it's not even that we're always going to look for agreement. No. You know, that, that it's just, can you open yourself up? Can you stretch yourself? It's not yourself? about convincing. It's like, not about convincing, Convincing right. people that, Right. You know, this My is way, the true the right way, way right? right? You know, it's just, right. it's How, just about having an open heart and, and listening. And what I see all the time, all the time, and, 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 and thankfully I see all the time, it excites me that I see it all the time, is, is when you get people to start to understand another person's experience, you mm-hmm. know, when you, when yeah. they start. And again, because it's usually something they have never thought of before. It's something they didn't right. think right. of, or it's a context they didn't understand. I mean, so that for me, that's exciting because then I'm like, there's this neuronal, new neuronal connection being made in their brain. There's a, a new growth in understanding and, and they have, you know, stretched and they have expanded and they've, uh, now can have the potentiality of looking at something from a different perspective. And so it, it excites me when I see that happening. Yeah. So, Oh, it's exciting to me too. And I, I agree that, you know, something like the political landscape or any landscape, could landscape bene- right? benefit from, right. you know, this, all of this, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm now I'm going to read uh, the letter that I wrote to my mom in response to her letter. Um, I've read this aloud a couple of times to a couple of friends and, uh, I haven't cried yet. Yet. Uh, I did get a little teary eyed. So, uh, we'll see if I hold that streak. Not that there's anything wrong with crying. I love crying. Uh, crying is good for you. Uh, okay, here we go. 
Mom, I received your letter in the mail, and I first wanted to say thank you for sending it. And I hear your expression of regret and ask of forgiveness. I'm writing this in response. I'm writing this response letter so you may hopefully understand how deeply upsetting that night was. In your letter to me, you asked me, quote, you talk about empathy, but is that something you only give to those you want? End quote. For me, empathy is about creating a safe space for people to be exactly who they are. Empathy is about meeting people where they are. Empathy is about leading with my heart. Empathy is not about me, but about the other person. Empathy is about shedding our egos and opening our hearts fully to the validity of the experience of others. And I try to be as empathetic as I can with all humans. Even if I can't know the injustice and heartache experienced by rape victims, I can listen, give them my heart, let them know that they are loved, that their experience was valid, and that I'm here for them. But with empathy, boundaries are required, like with any emotional interaction with humans. If I, for instance, take on too much of the emotions of others, something I've done, certainly, that's a burden that's not fair to me or the other person inhabiting that emotion, as it robs them of their deeply personal need to explore that emotion. To your question, I think the implication is that I don't have empathy for you. But I do, Mom. I do have empathy for you. You have been through a lot of heartache and struggle and pain. I see all of that. In fact, I was there for that, listening to you and Dad again and again as I tried to make sense of it all, as I tried to console you in whatever way a teenager can. I see you, Mom, and I'm sorry that you've gone through what you've gone through with my father. No one should have to experience that, and my heart hurts for that, has always hurt for that. You say in your letter that you, quote, try to help people through it and not stay in the darkness, end quote. And I think that's great, but we each have our own path, each of them valid. I believe strongly, as has been proven by all psychological studies and decades of research, in the power and necessity of emotional wayfinding. That is, to look inward and ask the questions of our own hearts, of our own feelings and emotions toward the goal of learning about ourselves, finding peace within ourselves, finding understanding and self-acceptance and self-love. In your perspective, I am, quote, staying in the darkness with all of my, quote, diseases. And to you, that is negativity, and I'm nothing but negativity, which is what you said to me that night. Nothing could be further from the truth. Seven or eight years ago, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety. These are parts of who I am, not all of me, but essential components to my human existence. They bring me pain at times, but they've also given me an opportunity to do the real, true, meaningful, emotional work that I've learned through therapy, writing, mindfulness. Through the past seven, eight years, I've learned so much about myself. I've opened my heart I have found deep meaning that has contributed to greater happiness, expressions of joy, ability to connect in all facets of my life. I don't just, quote, get through it because there's nothing to get through. My mental health is a part of me, and I'm grateful for the journey I've taken. You say that I, quote, won't accept me and my flaws as you say you do in your podcast, end quote. As I said, I accept you. Your letter is in response to an experience I had wherein my own mother in front of my friends told me I'm a negative person, that my podcast is negative, that my emotional experiences aren't valid, that my cutting scars aren't real, and that I was without morals. This isn't about you. I've never said anything about not accepting you. What this is about is you not seeing me for who I am, you taking all the beautiful work I've done in my own mental health journey and calling it negativity. This isn't a one-way street. 
In the letter, you said, quote, I'm a little mad at you for thinking about ignoring me. I'm a little mad at you for thinking that ignoring me is a way of being a, quote, better person who has grown up. You believe that your hurt and darkness in you comes from all your childhood, end quote. To be clear, I'm not ignoring you. I'm processing what happened that night. I'm processing the words you said that deeply hurt me and show me that you don't accept or see me. As I said that night, I don't blame you or my father for my hurt. As I said that night, I struggled growing up. I was scared of my father. I was hurt by him again and again. I felt alone a lot. I was dealing with undiagnosed and untreated depression and anxiety. I struggled with anorexia. But as I said that night also, it wasn't all bad. Of course it wasn't. I'm not dwelling on my childhood struggles to be, quote, in darkness, but to understand, to explore my emotions, to heal. That's my journey, not yours. And a core part of my journey is to embrace compassion, empathy, inward-looking, heart-leading mental health advocacy, to give people hope, to make them feel less alone, to meet them where they are. You choose to help people with cancer, which is admirable. I choose to help people with their mental health. When you made me show you my cutting scars that night, when you said, prove it to me, it hurt me deeply. Your words were so invalidating to my own real and true emotional experiences. But when you said, quote, I don't see anything, when I finally did pull up my sleeve to reveal my scars, I was further shocked. Mom, you see what you are capable of seeing. You see me as negativity, but those who know me see me as light. They see me as kindness. They see me as empathy. They see me as thoughtful. They see me as doing work that truly matters. I struggled growing up, and you don't have to accept that. You don't have to believe that is true, but it was true for me. You don't have to understand why I need to explore my emotions, but I do need to, as I think we all need to. These past few years with the podcast and with my emotional growth I've gleaned through therapy and doing the inner work, I've grown so much for the better. I am proud of myself. I love who I am. And if you don't see that, I'm sorry, but that's not changing who I am. In kindness, known. Oh. How are you feeling? I feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the letter I delivered to my mother. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt very, com- I mean, I wrote that in 10 minutes. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, I felt very compelled to write it because I felt um, uh, she still wasn't seeing what I was saying. And, and uh, her letter further sort of proved that to me. Um, and I, you know, I just want to like the, the great thing, the, the beautiful thing that we have in life as humans is seeing each other, mm-hmm. you know, and really, really see, like doing the work of seeing each other. And that's what we're talking about. And when you're not seen, it's, it's, it's hard, it's yeah. hurtful, especially when there can be, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like I'm telling my mom that she has to like go do emotional wayfinding, you know, right. I'm not asking that of her. I'm just saying like, this is, this is what I'm choosing to do. Right. I mean, I'm also saying I, and I wouldn't tell this to her, but I would say, you know, I think that is work we all should do. I do. I think that's work we all should do. Right. But I'm not saying that to her. I don't think I'm not putting anything on her. I'm seeing her. I'm accepting her. You know, but I'm not getting that back. Right. I think what you're saying is I'm not putting certain conditions on her. Of course not. No. No. And so, 
but reflecting yeah. on that idea of being seen, I, that's a, you know, a huge value for me. And I think that's a, a huge, and I hold that value, I think, because of what I see that accomplish in people's lives, you know, in terms of, you know, I, I think there's innate, there's an innate sense in each one of us that wants to be known, known, known wants to be known, known. wants to be known. Sorry, it was too easy. No, it's <laughs> but um, every day of my life, every day of your life. <laughs> but but no, I you know, and uh, to actually you know pull this back actually to your name. I mean, you know, known to be known and interesting. I mean, we've talked about the significance of your name and childhood and and the you know what that meant to the people who named you based on your understanding of that and then you know and then looking at it now today in the context of what we're discussing today and um you know in a lot of ways it still car- it does carry the same context hmm. you know in in this idea of being known right to yeah. be known to be known and um and i think you know to to be a- for us as humans to be able to work through maybe the shame that we feel, the inadequacy, that we're not enough, and to then bring that into our relationships, our, our, not to bring our realness into relationships. I mean, w- one of the thoughts that I was having is, again, that's a risky thing. And I think it's important that we also be able to discern who are trustworthy people, you know, mm-hmm. beginning to learn who are safe people that we really can bring ourselves into a great book actually called safe people um, by Henry cloud, John Townsend, um, you know, talk about this in, in detail. So, you know, it's important that we be able to discern, you know, who are the people whom we can trust with our real selves. And, uh, and I think as we start to do that, I think that's where we start also growing and unfolding and discerning and identifying, you know, who are the people in which we are going to pour more of ourselves into, right? Yeah. Relationally speaking. Yeah. And and who are the people who, you know, who can, you know, really kind of be on that journey with us. So Yeah. So yeah, I appreciate that. And and being seen and safety, like these are huge components. And and finding the people that we can, you know, share that with is important. It is hard when it is, you know, apparent, right? Oh, like, absolutely. You know, like that's, that's what I'm, I'm sort of struggling with now is like, you know, not having a relationship with my father and, and, um, and, 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 and finding peace in that. And, yeah. and like if found so much healing in that and, and therapy and stuff. Well, I think I, you know, I, I can imagine, you know, I think so many people can relate to that, you know, that, that they're, you know, the, the, parents, caretakers, you know, the people who raise them, um, you know, may not know them very well at all. Right. I mean, right. these are the very people who, who we may feel don't know us actually at all. And, uh, you know, that is such a huge dynamic in the work that I do in psychotherapy and the way I conceptualize mental health and mental well-being and our capacities, you know, again, is so predicated on, our early attachments, early social environment experiences, and the way in which, you know, the brain formulized around those experiences and the way we develop what I call relational templates. And I'm sure that somebody else uses that too. It's probably not mine, but, but that's the language I use in describing that, you know, each one of us shaped or formed these relational templates around our early social environments. And they were formed around what are our best chances at survival you know what what are how do we you know best adapt to the social environment that we're being raised in Mm. 
And so, you know, there are certainly parts of us that develop out of that need and there are parts of us that don't. Right. And a lot of that is dependent upon, again, our our perceptions. I mean, this is all such a perceptual experience of the way we're interpreting information around us, which, you know, first starts off from a sensory place. You know, since we don't have language, we don't have, you know, higher level cognitive functioning. So, you know, it first starts off from a sensory experience and then ultimately then moves into, you know, a, a greater, larger type of experiential processing. But, you know, so, you know, we develop all kinds of filters, we develop all kinds of defense mechanisms, we develop all kinds of coping strategies. And a lot of times one of those, you know, uh, strategies is to not show the world parts of ourselves, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. or, you know, even in therapy, a lot of times it's reconnecting the person to parts of themselves they've cut off, they're not even aware of. Right. And getting those parts to develop and, and becoming a fuller human being, right? And and hopefully that leads to greater relational satisfaction. So, you know, I kind of feel like that's what we're talking about. So, you know, what leads to safety, right? I mean, I know one of the things you wanted to talk about was validation and invalidating and yeah, no, and and we'll get there in just a second. Hearing you say that, I thought about this idea that change is an important part of it, right? Like, sure, we as humans are growing all the time, all the and time. changing hopefully, all, right, the all the time. time hopefully, right? Hopefully. right? That's the that's the right. aim, right? And I think that another part of this equation is accepting that and yeah. accepting that things change and people change, Correct. right? And, you know, for instance, the, the, the person that I was as a teenager, I'm not as a 37 year old, you right. know, like, like, like so much growth and insight and stuff, you know, experiences have shaped me who I am. And I, in another 20 years, I'll be another you'll person, even be, I'll right. be very different. Right? right. You know? And so I think that's an important part because I think when it comes to maybe these foundational ties of family and, and friendship, like there is a, um, you know, and I'm not saying this in the case of my mother, but like, I've seen this, I've witnessed this, uh, holding on to that person, holding on to the yeah. idea of what we want that person to be. And that's the, and it, and it's hard, it's hard to accept change sometimes, of course, but like change is an important part to accept right. if we are going to, uh, really meet people and see them. Yeah, no, it's so true. And as you're sharing that, I'm reflecting on my own relationship with my daughter, you know, and I'm thinking about, you know, the, the challenges I've experienced, even in spite of my education and knowledge and experience that, you know, sometimes the conversation that she and I has have is around that, you know, exact topic or idea where she'll have to say to me, like, no, you're not seeing me or, mm. you know, you're not, and, and she's right. I mean, I'm still seeing her uh, as the 12 year old version or the 14 year old version. Sure. And she's 18. And, yeah. you know, 12 to 18 is significant in our, in our development and our change and our growth and our opinions. And, and, you know, and I just out of, you know, a, a template that I have that I carry of her, I will still, you know, and, you know, and again, you know, I, we've developed the type of relationship that I'm thankful for that she can bring that to my attention. There's yeah. a lot of people out there who can't. That's nice. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that and she can introduce to me, um, this happened last night. We, you know, we're coming back from LA and, and we were having a great conversation and she was really able to speak in to me, uh, new things about her that I just 
didn't know, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of how she's thinking about the world and how she's thinking about herself. And, um, but I got to know her, you know, so much more as a result of that. And it was, and and, you know, it, I hope that was helpful for her. It was extraordinarily helpful for me to see her differently and understand that, you know, she's changing, she's growing, she's looking at the world in a different way. I can't assume that it's the same way it was a couple of years ago. Right, right. No, that's a good example. And I'd imagine, like, you know, obviously I'm not a parent, uh, but I'd imagine it's, it's, it is especially hard for parents to accept that change in their kids, you know? I think so. Uh, you know? I think so, yeah. I, you know? But, you know, especially I'm thinking, and I don't have this experience yet, but I'm believing that particularly the life they've had outside of our house after they've left, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and they've lived those years, let's say 20 to, you know, whatever, you know, onward, um, you know, and we haven't been with them on that path, on that journey and all the things that have happened to them and shaped them. Right. And right. so, you know, so maybe they do have a little bit of a frozen in time type of perspective. Yeah. Them, so. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, let's, yeah, let's, so let's talk about um, some ways, you know, and, and things that I've experienced and, and, and witnessed and sort of done some research on in terms of like how we, invalidate each other um and and i have a list here of just a couple of sort of little things that maybe on the surface wouldn't you wouldn't think that they're an invalidating sort of thing maybe some, some are a bit more direct but i think i bring them to you because i think that um when it comes to validation and invalidation it can be tricky and it, sure. and, and it's a learning process and i think we need to be patient and kind with each other and kind to ourselves and stuff. And so, uh, we're all learning together. Right. So we're in this together. Um, I'm not some great teacher. I'm learning along with you, um, listeners. So uh, here are a couple of things that, uh, so consider some of these responses to someone sharing their real emotional experience. Let's say you, you know, I, I'm sharing this experience and, and you, Tony say, it could be worse. Right. For instance. Right. What is that? That says to me like, oh, he's, he's minimizing right. my experience. He's not, he didn't like, that would tell me like, oh, he didn't even hear me. Like he's R- not listening. Right. What's he's not gonna- really hearing my experience or what it meant to me. Right. Yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's thinking about something potentially that could be, you know, way worse or whatever. And of course, anything could be worse. Correct. But it's about recognizing and seeing their experience and saying, I see you. Right. Well, and this is a tricky one too, you know, as you were kind of alluding to, and most of these probably will be because, you know, I've, I've been on the other end of that statement many times. I'm sure all of us have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've seen couples do this to each other in therapy, families. And what's always so fascinating about it, I mean, you know, you know, 99 out of 100 times is, you know, that they're coming from a good place. You know, and, and most of the totally. time, you know, it's the idea that they don't want us to feel bad, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, yeah. they're, they're trying to, you know, take away our experience, not to, you know, rob us of, of something, but in a sense, uh, but morally, you know, more so. They, they they're just, seeing that we're hurting they and they want to, they see right. that as a way to take away that hurt. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, the one of the ones <laughs> I, I hear probably most frequently uh, is he's in a better place you know, after somebody has passed away, sure. he or she is in a better oh, place. Yeah. And that 
may or may not be true. Uh, you know, but I mean, but the idea is um, you're missing my pain. Right. Right. You know, you're, you're missing, you know, somehow the idea that this person may be in a better place um, is not, does nothing, you know, to validate my hurt and my loss and the, you know, the pain I'm experiencing. Right. It, you know, probably one of the, you know, yeah, you know, least um, validating types of things to be able to do to somebody, you know, because it's like, uh, irregardless of that, right? It's like, I, I, I just lost X. I, yeah. I, I'm, I feel like my life will never be the same, yeah. right? I'm, yeah. I don't want to wake up tomorrow. I, right. you know, and if you can see that in me, surprisingly, and I, and I, and I, and I know that it's scary to some people because I think some people fear that if they reach us in a level of pain, that that may somehow make things worse or, you know, and, and ironically, I mean, I, I think it lends itself to what we're talking about, which is, no, if you can see my pain and you can be with me in my pain, then I feel safer. I feel yeah. better. I feel seen. I feel known. I, um, yeah, supported. Right. Yeah, no, that's a good example. That's a really good example. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, and we'll get into like the validating part of it uh, uh, in a little bit, but I want to uh, list a couple more of these sort of invalidating things. Um, one is, and this is something I've heard and, and have seen, uh, is everything happens for a reason, right? right? And, uh, you know, that may or, again, may or may not may, be true. May or may not be true. Right. Who, you may ascribe yeah. to that, you may not. Right? Yeah, no one knows. Right. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but again, all of these like will have the same sort of reaction from us is like, you're not seeing the pain. Correct. You're not seeing that person and what they're going through. You're, you may be trying to help and, and that's good. Helping is good, but that's not a productive way to help. Because it, yeah, it goes back to what, you know, we've said with, you know, he or she's in a better place. It's um, trying to make somebody probably feel better as we said. And, but, you know, again, take, you know, and it, it, it probably shuts a conversation down, you know, or the sharing. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it yeah. There's ends. no, there's no, where do you go with that? Yeah. Where do you go? Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I call those, you know, conversation closers, um, right, because right. they just, they shut down a conversation most of the time because the person in pain or the person hurting will shut down you know, because they no longer feel safe. They don't feel like they're being heard. They don't, you know, they don't feel like there's room, right? Space for their experience. So, so it'll tend to shut things down. And a lot of times in these scenarios that we're talking about, people need to process, right? They need to talk, they need to share. So it's important, I think, to, you know, meet somebody where they're at. You know, it's interesting, I, uh, reflecting on this too, I've even heard, you know, people in sessions say, um, I, it could be worse. You know, they're, they're talking about their own experience and, and they interject, I'm doing it again. I'm side talking. They interject with their own. Well, it could be worse. And, yeah, and, totally. I've done that. Yeah. And so, we, you know, that's we do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves. Yeah. And so I'll point that out in session and, and we'll process that. But, you know, the, this kind of recognition that, yeah, it's like we, you know, and, and, and usually it's something like, yeah, they're, you're right, but you're invalidating your own pain, right? Yeah. You're invalidating your own, you're minimizing your own experience. Right. right. And, and where did you learn to do that? Or, or what is that serving you to do? Is yeah. that, you know, so. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, the, the other examples I have are a little bit, I think, uh, maybe less trying to help and more just things maybe you shouldn't say potentially. 
Uh, one is, why are you so angry? Which is something that I've heard. Uh, the other is, that seems unbelievable. That may be trying to help. The other is, you'll get over it. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you'll get over it. Definitely sounds like a door shutter. It is a door shutter. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get over that loss, that, that trauma or whatever. And, um, and I was thinking with, why are you so angry? I'm like, boy, the tonality of that would sure make a difference in it, terms of absolutely like it would why are you so angry yeah it would or versus like why are you why are you, why so, are you angry? so angry yeah like yeah yeah you know like one could potentially be exploratory the other i mean that, that one like may be sort of more a uh, specific case you know uh of context uh, yeah context but uh the other one that i've, I've heard and and I think is an important to bring up is the, the forgiveness part of it. Like you need to forgive this person. You need to forgive them. Like, let's mm. say there was a something that happened where, you know, someone was deeply hurt by, I mean, let's just use this example of my mom, right? right. Like if someone said that to me, uh, like I would feel, I would feel offended. Like mm. I was like, that's not what this is. Like, you're not hearing me. You're not seeing that. Like I was deeply hurt and I'm processing that pain right now. Yeah. And to say like, Oh, you need to forgive them. is like, Oh, just move on, move on, you know, right. put a bandaid on it and move on. And I, I don't think that's healthy. Well, and I think there's a the potential to lose the opportunity for a lot of growth, right? Absolutely. 100%. I mean, individually or, or maybe even potentially between the dynamic of you and 100%, your mother. 100%. Like, 100%. Wow, we've got a lot maybe to learn about each other. We've got a lot of our stories maybe to share and understand and grow. And, you know, so yeah, door, door shutter. Yeah, exactly. Um, so all of these statements, however they were intended, it can be very invalidating. Um, so I want to talk about things that we can say and things that we can do to better validate uh, each other's. Uh, I have a few just kind of tips here. Listen, Acti yeah, actively, active listening, active right. listening, right? Be present, right? Uh, remind yourself that feelings are valid. Um, you know, feelings don't mess with silly concepts like right or wrong. They're reflections of experiences. Um, you're holding space for another, recognize and accept their emotions. Like try to be a mirror, a reflection, yeah. like Responses like that sounds so hard or I hear you can right. be helpful. Like be, so be gentle, be open, uh, listen to what they're saying. Huge. I, I, I can't even, you know, um, punctuate this enough in terms of importance. Carl Rogers, um, you know, who was a humanistic psychologist and, and, and one of the most amazing men to me. And, and it's funny because when I was going through grad school and reading about and learning about all the different theorists, you know, the, the significant major theorists in psychology and therapy, um, you know, Carl Rogers in, in his humanistic approach seemed person-centered is, is what the actual approach is called, person-centered therapy. It was, it was the most basic, what I thought, simple type of psychotherapy he you know he was very person-centered it was very much about open-ended questions he mm. you know carl rogers did not see himself as the expert you were you were the expert of your own life and and i loved his humility and uh, yeah there's a lot of humility in that. a lot of humility yeah, there's so much warmth i mean you know he really conveyed so much warmth and he just saw himself as as a journeyer mm. with the person and and he would you know, the, the tenets of, of person-centered psychotherapy, 
is, you know, all the things that you're kind of pointing out, you know, which again are kind of the basic tenets of, of counseling or psychotherapy that we use today, but it's, uh, you know, joining with the client and it's providing them with, um, safety, you know, we're mm-hmm. talking about safety and yeah. trust and warmth, uh, but unconditional positive regard, you know, was, was a huge cornerstone, uh, active listening, reflective listening. So what I hear you saying is, right. Uh, help me understand more about that, you know, and these types of open-ended questions to get somebody to really talk about their experience. Empathic attunement. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, these are really the, the cornerstones of people feeling experienced by another human being. And, and I think that's what he did so well. So, in his simplistic way, as I was learning about him, to be perfectly honest, I it, it seemed too simple. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted to move past Carl Rogers and into the meaty, deep, you know, psychoanalytic, you know, yeah. Freudian, post-Freudian theorist. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> the, you know, get into these multi-dimensions of the human mind yeah, and, and yeah. you know, uh, the id, ego, superego, and the subconscious and everything. And, and what's so fascinating is, you know, come many, many years now away from grad school and so many years away, <laughs> so many years away. Thank you for that. And the gray in my beard is, is a reflection of that. And I'm finding myself so much more drawn to the simplicity of Carl Rogers and the, the, you know, the impact of what he developed and, you know, so simple and and yet so profound. Yeah. So profound. So I love that. Um, So, you know, again, holding space, listen, listen actively, accepting, trying to be a mirror, reflecting. I think we mentioned it earlier. Um, another thing we do as humans is invalidate our own experiences. So we can also work on validating our experiences and a things, a a few things that have helped me is one, accepting my feelings is valid Two, not being ashamed of them. Three, sitting still with them, trying not to push them away Four, practicing positive self-talk five, recognizing my strengths and weaknesses. All of us have both and that's okay. Understanding that emotions aren't either good or bad. They just are. Understanding that I'm not my emotions either. I am more than that. Uh, Look inward tirelessly. Seek to understand your heart. Be curious. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Yeah. I I love helping people become reconnected to their emotional selves. Again, I I think we had mentioned this already earlier in this podcast, but so many people grew up in ways in which they need to disconnect from their emotional selves. Yeah. And that was, you know, part of their adaptation coping, you know, it was a necessary skill for survival or an adaptive skill for, for their best chance of survival emotionally, psychologically, so forth. But so a lot of times it's turning that system back on. And, and I, and I literally kind of reference this is there's a, you know, your emotional switchboard, like an inside out, uh, you know, yeah. kind of idea. And, and it's, you know, we need to literally get that thing flipped back on. Um, so you can become, you know, connected to your emotions because our emotions are, are, you know, it's a communication center and, yeah. and it gives us information to understand our world. And if we're disconnected from that, then there's a high tendency that, that, you know, we're going to be depressed. There's a high tendency. We may be overly anxious and we may have relational problems and struggles or maybe even deeper pathologies and addiction, but we're missing information. Mm. You know, we're not actually taking in information. Yeah. And, and if we're not doing that, how do we make good decisions? You know, how do we really make good choices and good decisions? Uh, You know, I almost say it's like the nerves that we have throughout our body and the nerve endings. And, you know, you touch something pleasurable, you want to touch that again. You touch something that's extraordinarily hot, you learn 
don't do that again. Right. Well, can you, you know, we, we've heard the stories before of the medical condition where people don't have pain receptors. Right. And that leads to broken bones, Scary. And, you know, all kinds of potentialities yeah. for death and high risk. Well, turning off our emotional system is the same thing. We, we run high risk of problems and psychopathology and depression right. and, you know, chronic depression. Um, you know, I've, you know, worked with people who have shut that system off or never developed that system uh, very earlier, you know, early in life and, and have, you know, spent a majority of their life in depression, right, right? You know, disconnection from the self. So, you know, so, so getting ourselves reconnected with our emotional selves um, is huge. It's, it is the human experience. It is actually the human experience. Yeah. Right. Um, so I got a few thoughts and questions from uh, the Yumi Empathy community. Um, this one's from Natalie. She says, how to stop unconsciously searching for validation? So I, I, I didn't get any more context yeah. other than that. So what, where I'm taking that maybe, and, and Natalie, you can correct me after the fact if this is wrong, is sometimes I think um, maybe she's implying that searching for validation, like, like looking, you know, trying to seek it out can right. be problematic can be maybe lead to um some bad behavior yeah you're, you're right this, this one's a little difficult to to understand contextually maybe uh, exactly what's being asked but you know if that's the case um then yeah i mean uh, if it's a healthy sense of self um is is maybe what she's talking about you know and, and how do we seek that out then, you know, I think ultimately that that's more of an inside out experience than an outside in, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. You know, meaning, um, and I always see that as, you know, our, our true, our true internal sense of self grows when we start to get the validation, the you know, the healthy, positive, accurate validation of who we are as we begin to share ourselves with the people around us whom we can trust. Mm-hmm. And I think as we start to bring our real selves out into relationships with other people and we find that we're lovable, acceptable, because these are a lot of themes I think that a lot of us run around in life with is that we're not lovable, we're not acceptable. Yeah. And so we do a lot of hiding. You know, we, 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 we all have a closet that we like to keep parts of ourselves hidden in because we truly do not believe that they are acceptable. And so we may find ourselves seeking validation in very external types of ways, you know. I, yeah, you know that's a good point, and I think where I'm I'm uh, where I'm going with this, uh, maybe it, or maybe where Natalie was going with this is like there are ways to be validated uh, that um, builds us up in a way that's being seen in the way that's 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 healthy, right? Right. But there's also a way to be validated, like like let's say. I want to continue with a behavior that may be damaging to me, you sure. know, like emotionally, physically, whatever. Right. And I want to be, you know, I'm seeking validation so I can continue to operate in that way. Right. Um, have you seen that? Have you experienced that? Well, I mean, one of the things I'm thinking about as you shared that was um, performance oriented, like workaholism. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, it's... It, climbing that corporate ladder and, and there's nothing wrong with climbing a corporate ladder, but again, what's the motivation, right? You know, what's, what's actually driving right. that what's underneath all that. And if like it's ego, e yeah. If know, it's for, or... I'm, I'm attempting to get value out of my continual career growth. Therefore I'm killing myself um, 
to get that growth, or I'm sorry, to get that value, to get that external validation, you know, I've seen people, you know, engage in some very unhealthy behaviors because life becomes so out of balance, right? Right, I mean, right. They're not, you're not actually capable of listening to yourself probably very well. And this, this drive has become so overwhelming that everything in your life becomes poured kind of into that. Well, you know, balance, you know, again, you be, you know, you, you, you threaten to be very imbalanced. And I think if we're very imbalanced, you know, bad things or, or unhealthy things can, can manifest as a result of that. So, um, and, and I don't think there's room for real happiness in those scenarios. I think, um, you know, people, right. people can come into treatment, highly successful people can come into treatment who have accomplished amazing things and report feeling totally empty. Right. Right. And yeah. very depressed and very unsatisfied. And, you know, and then ultimately it's, it's, you know, helping the person identify it's like, well, what were they really needing? Right. Yeah. And if it's value, then this was the way they thought would give them value. Or maybe they did get affirmation early on. You know, maybe I, I've heard people say like, you know, in high school, I got great grades and really wasn't extraordinarily important to me, but it felt good. You know, people recognized mm. I was intelligent or that I could get good grades. And so I went into college and, you know, attempted to do the same thing. And I drove myself into work of, you know, workaholism in school, right. always studying, you know, uh, you know, uh, living a very imbalanced life, maybe doing very unhealthy things to keep that going. And, but not even being connected to the experience. I mean, you know, not even knowing, not even enjoying or, or understanding why they're in college or why are you studying what you're studying? Like maybe yeah. not even being connected to that. And then all of a sudden they graduate college, they go into a career. And again, maybe even wondering at times why they're in that career, but then pulling themselves back to the idea that um, this is how I'm valued, right? Right. They're so. not connected in the way that we need to be connected to the emotional dashboard, you know. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so not uncommon for people to, at that point or, or many, many years into this, you know, start to reflect and go, I am not happy. Right, right. You know, or I'm yeah. having suicidal thoughts or I'm, you know, or right. I, I'm, you know, just... I've reached this position that I always thought was going to be that would make me happy and it didn't make me happy. In fact, yeah. I'm severely depressed. Right, right. So um, this is a comment from Alexandria. Uh, she says, validation makes chronic illness so much easier to handle, uh, which is, you know, great. Good. I'm glad that you've had some validation, Alexandria, because it, yeah, any like any time like, you know, depression, chronic illness, anything that you is is a part of you, like right. my depression or uh, my anxiety, like being vulnerable and being able to talk about it and having others listen and hold space for me is, is so huge. And it's such a, uh, it makes, it makes dealing with that illness or yeah. struggle so much easier yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, it's a good well, something you and I've said before. I mean, so many people think they're the only one. Oh yeah. And oh my gosh, no. I mean, I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the true human experience, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, I guess, you know, when we really talk about, you know, mental health problems or, or, or severity of mental health problems, what we're really talking about are the extremes of the normal human condition. Right. Right. And, you know, and so, you know, pathology is really just about something that really falls into the realm of impairment and, you know, problems of functioning. But but these are all very human experiences. And so to to think that others don't struggle or that we are somehow alone. Uh, yeah, I mean, oh my goodness, I would love everybody to know that that's not true. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, Lauren says, this is a comment, people can invalidate whatever makes them feel uncomfortable, uh, 
in parentheses, self-protection. Um, Which is very true. It's yeah. very true. What are your thoughts on that? Because like my first inclination is that, yeah, of course that's true. And that happens all the time. But I think that that's not... I think it is important to protect ourselves and, and have like, you know, like know what's, what's, what we can trust and know safety and all these things, sure. you know, and know how to recognize those things. Uh, but again, there's also the matter of meeting people where they are and listening to them and hearing them and not, you don't, again, we don't have to agree with their experience we don't have to like say that it is fact or true or whatever right. it's just their experience yeah and it's true to them so true and, and, and i think the thing uh, and again i don't know if it's a human condition thing how we're wired but you know i find that most people have to learn how to be validating you know and you know maybe they some people grew up in a family in which validation was a part of their early experience um and if so, good for you. Um, but I find it to be uh, you know, rare, um, and, and I do find it's it's a l- more of a not a learned behavior because we all have the capacity to do it. But uh, it's it's something I think we have to be intentional about because I think our they are easier, just more organic tendencies is to be. Um, Oh gosh, you know, defensive or, uh, mm-hmm. or even to throw out to, to try and soothe somebody's pain. Like we said earlier, sure, sure. you know, uh, so much easier to say, well, the, you know, well, hard times, you know, come and go, you, you know, you'll survive this or, which again, it's a wonderful sentiment, Yeah, but, yeah. but the idea that being able to validate somebody's experience or I'm sorry, somebody's difficulties in validating somebody's experiences because it's too threatening to them. Um, yeah. I, I, that happens. Yeah. 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 Uh, well let's, uh, let's start wrapping it up. Um, I think, I think there's a lot here, uh, and thanks for listening everyone. I think there's a lot here just about, yeah, validation and invalidation and, and, uh, sort of giving people the dignity of their own experiences and, and, and seeing people and meeting where, meeting them where they are. This is what, Yumi empathy is all about. It's what I am all about. It's what I want to do in the world. And it's, you know, in 20 years, I want to hear from Tony saying like, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's rare that people aren't invalidated. Are you giving me 20 more years? Is that? You, you probably got at least. Do you think I got 20 15, left? 15, 20. Okay. You know? <laughs> I appreciate kidding. it. No, no. You know, when we're oh, so optimistic 20 years from now, when we're chatting about right. this, like in, and you know, uh, we're millionaires because we created this amazing business and right. we're still kind of in the field. And, and, uh, you tell me like, look, actually it's rare nowadays that, that I hear from people and they aren't, they didn't grow up in an invalidating in- yeah, environment. You know, right. like that is what I want in the world. That's why I do this podcast. That's why I continue to try to get my face out there and write and 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 it's why i'm working on the thing that i'm working on you know uh which is vague and uh you'll hear eventually yeah more, wait, more about are that you just <laughs> dropping little uh little breadcrumbs <laughs> wow. you'll hear more about that soon but um yeah you know it's just is it this means, fair to say uh there's some things in the hopper there's some sa- things in the hopper All you know right. i i have no like timeline but right. i'm working on some big ideas and it's exciting because I, I, I just want to continue to make more of an impact in this space. And 
I want people to feel validated. And I want to meet people and I want to develop empathy and vulnerability and the emotional wayfinding. Like these are so important right. to me. Well, so. so without, you know, dropping anything, you know, I, I guess, cause you and I obviously have had conversations about this and I just want to tell the listeners that, you know, they're, there are some really cool things that you've been talking about. And, and I think, you know, kind of expanding um, the work that you're doing into some very exciting ways. Um, so, yeah, I just, I mean, you know, I'll throw those All right, I'll just tell it. It's, it's called Empathy Strippers. And it's just about, it's I'll go out and strip. And then also talk about empathy. You guys into that? No, I'm you, you may have lost half your community there. I'm just, <laughs> no, kidding. I'm just kidding. It is not that. I'm just uh, being silly um, because I'm feeling insecure. <laughs> um, but uh, yes, thank you for that, uh, Tony. And, and uh, you know, listeners, you'll hear more about it um, at, at some point because you, you know, you're a part of this. Like you're very important to me and you're a part of this community. And I, I feel, uh, I hope you're as excited about this new thing that I'm working on as I am and as Tony is. So I appreciate you. Um, uh, make sure to follow Yumi Empathy on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, give us a rating review in iTunes and Google uh, podcast. That would be great. I like to read them on the intros, so please do that. Um, so can I throw something out? Please. So yeah, yeah. it's been forever coming, but I finally got just a basic website up. So if awesome. people at least want to be able to just um, you know see this old mug, they can uh, they can go to uh, yourtherapistanthony.com. Nice. Once again, yourtherapistanthony.com and check that out. There's not much of anything up there yet other than some some basic verbiage, but but I'll be adding a lot of things and um, you know, connecting you and me together through that and but you know, so it's another platform for people awesome. to be able to start yeah. checking out and and then a quick thought just, you know, in wrapping this up today, I just again just you know, for people who may be thinking about the people around them that um, maybe they f- you know, feel like they're not known by or, or whatever. I just to kind of pull this back to what we said again, you know, this isn't to bash those people. This isn't, you know, everybody's on a journey, you know, everybody I think is, is doing the best they can. And um, so, you know, to, to have empathy in all directions of, of people's experiences. Yeah. And, um, and then again, if anybody wants to, to expand on this subject today or any to- you know, topic that we talk about, you know, you and I are both obviously huge encouragers of personal psychotherapy. Absolutely. And yeah. um, go, go find a therapist. Yeah, go we, find a therapist, you know, and, and um, have a friend to talk to. Yeah, I mean, you know, stuff, get, you know, get whatever, somebody just, to, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if this, this really brought up some things and something that, that you'd want to pursue, I mean, you know, we, both of us, obviously, we, we can't from, you know, a personal and a professional point of view um so yeah yeah no i thank you for that and and listeners i'll make sure to include tony's uh website in the show notes uh for this episode and that's it thank you tony thanks for being here. no thank you for always having me on it's always a really enjoyable time so oh, good and to you listeners i'm here you're here we're here together on this wayward overwhelming inspiring pale blue dot we have each other it's you me empathy Oh,